Welcome to the Marketers That Matter Visionaries Podcast, hosted by Nadine Dietz, the GM of Marketers That Matter and EVP of 24-7. The marketing landscape is constantly changing, but we believe that when marketers at the forefront come together to share insights, you can confidently lead yourself, your teams, and the industry into the unknown. The future is here, and it's moving fast. So let's bring on the visionaries from today's top brands pioneering the future and get this conversation started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to MTM Visionaries. I'm your host, Nadine Dietz. I'm the general manager at Marketers That Matter and the EVP at our parent company, 24-7. Today will be super exciting with two incredible guests. We have Chris Brandt, who is the chief brand officer at Chipotle, and Sophie Bambuk, who is the CMO at the North Base. And we're going to be talking about purpose in the driver's seat, which is such a passion, passion topic of mine. Um, and I hope it is for you too. So we're going to learn all about what that means for their brands. We're going to hear about their journeys and we're going to hear about their career advice for all of us wondering how to get to the top. So before I bring them on, I just have a couple of quick notes. As a friendly reminder, we do love to take questions. So if you have questions for Chris or Sophie, please do feel free to drop them in the chat window or in the Q&A. You'll find both those buttons at the bottom of your screen, and we will be keeping an eye on those along the way. Um, we really appreciate everyone who's been asking some great questions over the last few weeks. It's been great. And then finally, um, last and not least, a big shout out to our partner at the Wall Street Journal. We thank you very much for all of your support, and um, we are just delighted to have them as a wonderful partner. So, okay, with that, let's bring on Chris and Sophie. Okay. Hello, Chris. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, Sophie. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to have you both with me today. What a great topic we have in front of us, purpose in the driver's seat. But let's first talk about you and your role today and tell us something fun, something you like to do outside of work. Chris, let's start with you. Yeah, I'm the chief brand officer for Chipotle. So all things marketing kind of roll into me. Also, I'm responsible for our new restaurant development. So this year we'll build more than 250 restaurants around the country. Outside of work, I like to play a little bit of golf. Uh, I'm like everybody my age, I'm playing a little bit of pickleball. So uh, yeah, those are the two things I like to do. <laughs> I'll have to introduce you to Josh Cole at one point. You'll have to remind me to do that. And I'm going to come back because your title just changed from CMO to CBO. So I want to hear more about that as well. Is That's correct, right, Chris? Yes, they gave me the development job, um, but didn't pay me anymore. So they just changed my title to reflect that. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. Okay, excellent. <laughs> How about you, Sophie? Tell us about your role and what you like to do outside of work. Yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. So I am the CMO at the North Face. Uh, it's actually been my one year anniversary today. So uh, I know everything. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, what, what Chris was saying, the, you know, all encompassing marketing, um, we have global teams around the world that are obviously pushing the brand forward for us across all facets. So super excited to be leading the brand at the North Face. What I do for fun. Oh my gosh. That is such an interesting question when you have two young kids at a young age, but right now I discovered, <laughs> I probably shouldn't even say this. I discovered Korean drama and I've been watching a ton of Korean shows <laughs> on Netflix and I'm not sleeping <laughs> enough because they're totally addictive. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Don't judge me. <laughs> you can add me, ask me what I'm watching, but no judging. Yeah. <laughs> no judging. I find that really cool. So that's awesome. <laughs> 
I need to learn how to speak Korean well, now, but you know, details, details. <laughs> you know what? There's, there's an app for that, I think. Yeah. So uh, we can tell <laughs> Well, Sophie, let, let's continue with you for a moment because I've actually been privileged to see some of your journey firsthand, but can you share more about your journey and what inspired you to take on your current role? And then Chris, I'm going to ask you the same question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My goal has remained the same, right? I, I think I, I believe we all have power and my goal is always to figure out how to use my power best. And there's certain things that I believe in. I have certain values. We're talking about purpose. So it's exactly on point. For me, it was really about two things. One, figuring out how to apply and how to leverage my power in an environment that I feel comfortable and confident in. So a brand like the North Face, you know, previously I was at Everlane, which was had a huge sustainability mission. The North Face has an amazing mission and purpose. We are athlete-led. We are providing product benefits uh, for our athletes, hence the consumer. And so that just honestly just made made sense. And then the the second bit of this in terms of my career evolution and, and uh, what I've been looking for, when I actually, before taking this role, I was really thinking about marketing. Do I still want to do marketing? Marketing has evolved tremendously. And some could say the pendulum swung really far from like being maybe at some point really brand led to being really, really data and performance led. And I feel like we're starting to get a little bit more balanced now, but I really had to question what I wanted to do. And so because I'm more of a brand marketer, I felt it was essential for me to work for a brand that had higher ambition, higher goals, and that could aim to change people's lives. And so yeah, that was the natural evolution for me to honestly go to the North Face and I get to work with amazing people. So it was really hard to pass that up. Yeah, absolutely. And but speaking of purpose, Barons, you you work for Nike too. You forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah sorry. Details, 15 years at <laughs> Nike. Yay. I worked at Nike for 15 <laughs> years, then I moved on to Everlane and and um and the North Face. But yeah, I I um I learned so much. I think the way I think about Nike was it was my marketing school. That's where I learned a lot of what I know around product marketing, around brand elevation, around activations and consumer journeys. And then Everlane really allowed me to then get much deeper into what is it like to be a digital native company, understanding kind of like how to uh, turn up or down the dial from a data and digital standpoint, which you know, at Nike, I was pretty far removed. There were teams doing that, but they didn't, weren't really sitting into the brand marketing offense. So I've over over the years, I've been building kind of like a more robust quiver so that I can actually be a much better rounded marketer. And I think at the North Face, I can finally apply both sides, um, both sides of the coin. So thank you for bringing Nike up. You're right. Details. <laughs> it's most of my life, but yes. <laughs> most of your life is a small detail. How about you, Chris? Tell us about your journey and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and really, you know, I think I, did you say this is the second time you're working for the same CEO in a different role? Uh, so I'd be same curious role. what brought you back. Same role pretty much. Yeah. So look, I, so I started, I started my career out, actually I was finance. And so I worked in banking for a while and then I worked for an equity investment company. And at that company, everybody had an MBA and I got into more business development things as, as part of that role. And so when I went back to business school, I really wanted to explore marketing. Ultimately, I, I felt like going to General Mills. I went to General Mills. I spent eight years at General Mills where they, they taught me all kinds of things about brand marketing. Um, then I went to a brand called Odwalla, which was a premium juice and bars brand of Coke. 
And after about a dozen years in CPG, I got a call to go come to go to Taco Bell. And so I wanted to try something a little bit different on the retail side of things. So I spent five years at Taco Bell as the VP of marketing and then ultimately CMO. Then I went to Bloom and Brands, which is Outback, Carrabba's, Bonefish and Fleming's restaurants for a couple of years. And then the CEO I worked with at Taco Bell went to Chipotle. And I was always a big admirer of Chipotle. And so even before he started, he asked me to come over here. And so this has been amazing. I had a great job at Taco Bell. We did a lot of really cool things and kind of turned that brand around. But and I thought that that I would that would be the best job I ever had my whole life. But boy, Chipotle has really exceeded that. And this is this is a pretty great place with a great brand mission and a great brand purpose. And I've never been a place, you know, as you titled this is about the brand purpose piece. I've never been at a place with a stronger brand purpose than Chipotle. And it's really founder inspired. And that's a real luxury. But Taco Bell, we didn't have really a aspirational brand purpose. We had a tagline, we had those things, we got there, but that's where Liv Moss came from. So you're not always blessed with one. So sometimes you got to create one, but here we've been blessed with one and we were able to build upon it. And it's been a really, really great journey. Amazing. Well, let's talk about that some more, Chris. Let's talk about what Chipotle's purpose is and how does that translate for your, do you call them guests? Do you call them diners, like customers, but also your employees? I'd love to hear about that, but but, but I'll let you answer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we call them customers. And you know, the, you mentioned the employees because we can't forget about that. We have we have about 125,000 employees at Chipotle because we own every restaurant. We don't have any franchisees. We don't have another holding company. It's just us. And so I think that our brand purpose that I alluded to before, our our belief is that food has the power to change the world. And our brand purpose is to cultivate a better world. And that really lives in the hearts and minds of the company from the beginning. You know, at its core, Chipotle is unprocessed, real food prepared fresh every day with classic culinary techniques. And we don't have any freezers or microwaves or can openers. We don't use any artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. Our food is real. We believe real is better. Real is better for you as a person. It's better for people in general. It's better for the planet. And so we feel like that people's people's desire for food and desire for unprocessed food has really caught up to Chipotle. Chipotle's been doing this before it was really fashionable. And so I think that with that clear brand purpose, we're going to never going to waver from those things. We're never going to adulterate our food. We're not doing any of, we're not changing any of those principles and that's really been a guiding light for us through tough times like the pandemic, through ups and downs in the retail business, which seems to occur on a weekly basis. But it's a great North Star for us to have. Wonderful. And I'm going to come back, Chris, and dig in a little bit deeper around the, the food ecosystem, because I know you are very active in that space as you know dependency to what you do. But Sophie, let's talk about the North Face and North Face purpose. How does that yeah. translate for your customers and employees? Yeah, for sure. And I think what I, by the way, I think what, what Chris said is so important, the authenticity and being very true to your root. And that's how you build your, your purpose over time. And the purpose might evolve, the culture might evolve a little bit, but as long as you stay really true to, to your core, that's how you grow and that's how you create a resilient brand. And so our purpose is to equip and incite extraordinary lives. It's, it sounds ambitious, but really it's about us doing that through creating the world's most iconic performance gear and really enabling people to find themselves in nature, but in themselves as well. So we do believe we have a responsibility for people to be able to think both physically, performance, you want to be outside, you want to be outdoors, you want to summit, or you just want to experience. Um, but we also want to make sure that people grow 
personally and, and mentally. The beauty of outdoor nature is that it does that for you anyway. And so the more we provide access, the more we encourage people to be outside, whether it's elite athletes, again, doing first descents or first descents, or it's the average person just looking for an experience or just honestly being outside because they have to. <laughs> we we There's many moments in the day where you have to be outside. Our purpose allows us to speak to all mindsets and all consumers in a way that is relevant and resonates with them. And I mean, again, I came to your point about Nike. I came from a company that a brand that has such, such strength from a cultural standpoint. But then I joined the North Face and it's seeing people internally or teams are living it every day. They, the passion, the time that they spend outside, it's actually our purpose is really combination of what our teams believe in. And it's actually pretty badass to see it and to be able to experience it on a day-to-day basis. It's not just word on a piece of paper. And that's, that's, that's really key. All the decisions we make internally and externally are about this this mission and this purpose that we have. Yeah, and I alluded to the fact that I'm going to come back to Chris and talk about the ecosystem. So I'm going to start with you on this one, Sophie, just to continue the conversation here, because in order for there to be these extreme athletes, there have to be conditions uh, that that you can protect them from, but also the the environment needs to thrive for them to enjoy what they're trying to do. So I know you're very active in protecting the environment as well. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we say, we have a saying, which is we put our athletes at the center. So we're athlete tested, expedition proven. And part of that is not just delivering benefits through our product, but it's also our athletes coming back and saying, here, here's what I saw. They're going places where you and I will most likely never go because we don't have the permits, we don't have the access. So they are seeing firsthand glaciers melting or trash accumulating in areas of the world that that it shouldn't be accumulating. So we we have like three kind of components. There's more, but I'd say the main three, obviously sustainability through our garments and circularity and making sure that our top materials, whether it's polyester, cotton, or nylon, are responsibly sourced and renewable or regeneratively grown. So we have those goals, right? But additionally, we do a ton around climate change. We actually work a lot with organizations like Protect Our Winters or Action for uh, the Climate Emergency. But I think we do have partners like that around climate change that allow us to have an impact. And that is very near and dear to our athletes' heart. And and we have a responsibility uh, if we are going to keep on providing access to the outdoors, that we do it in a re- in a in a reasonable and in in a thoughtful way. And then from a conservation standpoint, this is actually really really exciting. There is a movie that we just came out with called Walking Two Worlds. And it actually shows some of the efforts that we are providing, but Alaskan wildlife has been really high on our on our radar. And uh, the Biden-Harris administration just passed a few weeks ago, some really good uh, news for us that we've been fighting for. And then we just support public lands across the board. So we were one of the founding partner of the Conservation Alliance. Um, and we put a ton uh, of efforts, attention, resources behind making sure conservation is top of mind. And a lot of this is not necessarily a call to action to consumers. Some of it is. A lot of it is us working behind the scenes, talking to public figures and leaders, and making sure there's awareness with people that can really make a difference. So it's a it's a mix of the things you see and the things you don't see, but it's really high on our 
and our priorities because to your point, our athletes are in the environment every day and we have to be make sure that there is still one for them to be able to perform in. So really top of mind. Amazing. Well, thank you for all that you do. And Chris, you guys actually, as opposed to the open and wildlife land, you're looking at the land that's farmed. You're looking at the way the food is produced. You're looking at you know, protecting our ability to continue to produce incredibly nutritious food over time. You want to talk a little bit about how you get involved with the overall ecosystem? Yeah, look, from a Chipotle standpoint, no one does at scale what we do. Um, and I'll put our food up against any restaurant, anywhere, anytime, from a freshness standpoint, from a responsibly raised standpoint. The thing that blew me the, away the most about my about my time at Chipotle is probably my second week. So if you come to work at Chipotle, you got to spend time in a restaurant learning how the restaurant operations work. And the inside of a Chipotle, every single Chipotle, every single morning looks more like a farmer's market than any place, any other restaurant had ever been. Because we're bringing in whole avocados, we're bringing in whole onions, we're bringing in fresh produce, we're bringing in the chicken comes in raw and is cooked there fresh every single day. So it, it just, it was very different. And that was really the inspiration for a lot of our ad campaign and behind the foil is we just let employees tell, tell us what they wish everybody knew about Chipotle, but they don't. And so taking that as a big piece, um, the responsibly raise and going further up the, the chain is really important to us. I mean, we, we spend about... $400 million more for responsibly raised ingredients on an annual basis than we would sourcing conventionally raised ingredients. So the marketer to me says, we put our money where your mouth is, but we believe that that's really important. And the, the, the area over the last few years, we've really identified that's an opportunity for us is with farmers, because it's never been more difficult to be a farmer today. The average farm lost money um, even before the pandemic. The average age of farmers is like 59 or 60 years old. So we need to make sure that the next generation wants to farm the way we do things because we have the highest animal welfare standards in the industry. We're the only one to get an A plus from the Humane Society for our, our animal welfare standards. So what that means really is that only 5% of the beef in America qualifies from an animal welfare standpoint for Chipotle. And we buy more local ingredients. We buy more organic ingredients than everybody else. We've entered in with, with farmers. We're using... Uh, entered into three-year contracts with them to convert from a conventional field where they're using a bunch of pesticides over to organic because they need that time and they need to know there's an end market for what they're doing. If you go to chipotle.com forward slash farmers, you can see all the stuff that we do, but we've pledged $5 million over five years really to help young farmers because the young farmers coming in have more principles of raising food that align with what Chipotle wants to do than maybe some of the other farmers. And so we're really encouraging them to get started and to treat food and raise food the way we like it done. And the way we need it done is we continue to expand across the country. Amazing. Amazing. And, and Chris, I, I, I want to come back to, to one of the points that you just made, which is you talked about, we almost started talking about the pandemic. I want to talk about the pandemic because that must have been almost a crushing blow to the farmers, to you. But Chris, tell us about what happened through the pandemic. How did you stay relevant and how did you stay growing? Because you were one of the only businesses that kept growing. Yeah, I think it is. So it was a real boon to our digital business. So the, I think the good news for us is that back in 2018, when the new CEO came on, when I came on, the first thing we needed to do was kind of invest in our digital food, our digital footprint, because people wanted more access to Chipotle. We did a big consumer survey, we said, what would make you come to Chipotle more often? What they said was, build a Chipotle near me. 
what they meant was give me more access to Chipotle. So we started putting in, we created a thing. It's a digital drive-through called a Chipotle. So you can't order any, you have to order from your phone um, or online, but you can pick it up digitally. So that's been a big help for us. And that we started building those back in 2018. And then we really, we had a great app, but no one knew about it. So we drove awareness to that. But when, when the pandemic hit, a lot of our advertising was focused on that we do handmade guac and that we're cutting and chopping fresh ingredients. And we had our employees with their hands in there talking about these things. And that was the last thing people really wanted to see in a pandemic related environment. And so we really pivoted a lot of our advertising to awareness of our digital ecosystem. And so digital went from about 10 or 15% of our volume to about 70% at its peak. And now it's settled at around 40% of our volume, but that's the digital piece. Our food travels well, our digital, our, our whether it's through DoorDash or using our own app, it really is fast. We can prepare food really quickly. We have actually a separate make line for all of our digital orders in a restaurant versus in the front line. So if you ever go in restaurants in the front line and you got to stand there and wait for a digital order to come by, that doesn't happen at Chipotle. And because we have a designated digital make line, the food comes out fast, it comes out fresh. And again, our, our food, we're lucky that it travels pretty well. So that's how we got through. And I think now we're welcoming people back into the restaurant. Surely as we come out of the pandemic, I think the idea of hand-mashed guacamole and those things is certainly top of mind. But now we, we've kind of got not only have a robust inside the restaurant business, but we've got a burgeoning digital business as well. And so I think at one point, I think the DoorDash guys told us if we were a standalone delivery business, we would have been the fifth or sixth largest in the country. So it's a huge wow. proponent. It's a huge component of our volume, but it's a challenge for our restaurant folks because they have to learn to manage. They've never had to manage before last year, this big in restaurant business and a big digital business. They were always one or the other. So we're still working through those things, but yeah, that's how, that's how we managed. Amazing. Amazing. And we have a couple of questions that came in. Chris, I'm going to come back to you. Jai asked how you get your customers to contribute towards your initiatives and then, Chris, I see your question around career moves. We're going to get to that as well. But, Sophie, let me give you an opportunity to answer about the pandemic. Because contrary uh, to people not going to places anymore, you were right in the middle of everybody yeah. wanting to go outdoors and having more time to do that. So what what was learned through that time that, you, that really you're leveraging now today in your, in your strategy? Yeah, I mean, there's more new entrants into the outdoor space than ever before. And by that, I mean customers, like people actually discovering the outdoors in any way, varied shape and form. And then, of course, we have a lot more what I would call maybe competitors or other brands that have come out. And so it's actually uh, been really interesting because it's, it has actually forced us to reposition ourselves as authentic outdoor leaders. We didn't have to do that much of it before. It was almost a little bit of a given. We now have to refocus a little bit because there's a lot of new people making choices. For the first time ever, they're choosing an outdoor brand. They've never had to make that choice before. So now we have to actually position ourselves as outdoor leaders so that they pick us. Uh, so in a nutshell, mm -hmm. we've had to reposition a little bit and focus much more on performance and outdoor benefits than we had maybe in the past few years prior to the pandemic because it's a, it's a new, it's new, new audience now. So we have to uh, refocus yeah. our energy. Yeah. Well, and before we go back to Chris on the customer question, maybe you have some insight there. How do your customers partake in your initiatives? I'm guessing they're very vocal about wanting to protect the environment. 
Yeah, I mean, we have we have a lot of opportunities between, so we have a membership program called Explorer Pass. It's more of like a loyalty, but through that, we actually do a ton of access to the outdoors. We have the Explore Fund, which is basically, it allows, we have an Explore Fund council that manages the Explore Fund, but basically we actually look through the communities to see what matters most. So when we do have uh, vocal audiences, vocal consumers, or vocal communities, we actually take that into account in terms of where we invest, what we plan for in the future. Uh, so that's one way in. Otherwise, like I said, we have a lot of opportunities almost directly through our, our membership to provide more access and opportunities for people to engage in the outdoors and, and have, yeah, have an impact. There's there's many ways when we're still developing, we're still developing what does what does that look like in store? We're on the cusp. So we're we're almost there, but we try to find ways to really listen to the community and, and make sure we engage in things that really matter to the community most. Amazing. Chris, how about you and your customers? One of the cool things we have on our app is we have um a program where we can tell you what your food print is. We call it a food print, what your carbon food print footprint is for every single order. We call it funny enough, the real food print. And we, uh, the other part is we launched a loyalty program back in 2019. We now have 36 million people um, that are engaged with Chipotle in multiple fashions. And so it's a true opportunity for us to really engage with our consumer on that front, to tell them about the initiatives we have, one of the things, we make it pretty easy. If you purchase a tractor beverage, we donate 5% of the profits back there. When you come to Chipotle, you're, support, you're supporting farmers. So we try to make it as easy as possible, but that's kind of how we do it. Amazing. Okay, Jai, from the audience, I hope that answered your question. And from Chris in the audience, he was asking about career advice. I had a whole question around agencies we're not going to get to because we are out of time, but I do want to tackle this last one on career advice, if you don't mind. So uh, Chris, let me go with you first. And then Sophie, you can wrap us up. The question was around, how did you, uh, I mean, this is a big question. So Chris in the audience, thank you for this question. I think this could break into like five questions here, but like, what is your best piece of career advice? And hopefully you can touch upon, you know, how that resonated for you and picking the role that you're in. Yeah, I would say you need to volunteer for tasks that other people don't want to do and don't shrink away from a tough job. Yeah, the other part is you need to do a really good job with whatever job you get. Like at General Mills, when they were there, there's a bunch of different people that come in at the same time. There's jobs rotating throughout the company. And at, at first glance, my second assignment wasn't maybe the best assignment, but that one got be promoted first because it was doing a great job with something maybe that wasn't as sexy as some of the other products there. But man, it really made a big difference from a business standpoint. And I, the other part is I work for some people that had a tough reputation they were some of the best folks that I ever worked for in my career. And so you got you you can't shrink from those jobs and you got to work hard on the the little things and show people that you're fully invested and you can do a good job. And so you have to demonstrate on sometimes on small things how good you are at that before you get the bigger things. Amazing. Great advice. Thank you. Sophie, bring us home. What's yeah. your favorite piece of career um, advice? I'll be quick. I think when I got this, this piece of advice, I was too young in my career to fully grasp it. And I, actually, I think it made me mad. But for me, it's don't pick the job. Don't pick the role. Pick the people you're going to work with. Because it's it's actually much more valuable even to take maybe a lesser role, but to learn from the right folks, to get the right mentorship, to actually hone in on your skills by having great leaders than it is to maybe get the job and the job title and not have the support or the mentorship or the management that you need to succeed. So pick pick the people and not the role. 
Love it. Well, thank you both for being here. I'm sorry I took us over by two minutes. I tried my best, uh, but thank you to the audience as well for the great questions and wonderful to see you both. Thank you and everyone. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you. Thanks, Nadine. Thank you. Visionaries is brought to you in partnership with The Wall Street Journal and made possible by our parent company, 24-7. To find out more about the Marketers That Matter community, visit marketersthatmatter.com. And finally, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a rating or review and let us know what you think.